Hi guys, welcome to the Fintech Coffee Break. So today I sat down to share my coffee break with Serena and Alejandro, co-founders of Flit Invest. Flit Invest is an investment app that allows users to use their money to power businesses and causes according to their values. Customers can invest as little as $10, lowering the barriers into the investment landscape. We spoke about what this kind of approach to investment could mean for modern day issues and the rise in attraction for people to vote with their dollars. Nice to meet you guys. How are you? Good, how are you? Doing great, thank good, you. Nice meeting good, good. I'm glad. Um, so to start with, I just want to know what gets you up in the morning and gets you motivated to start doing what you do? For me, it's uh, pretty easy. I would say there's two things. One, professional motivation. I love what I do working with our team and obviously making sure that our clients' money is invested the right way and, and doing well and right for them uh, so they can grow their wealth over time. But uh, the other one is really personal. I'm originally from Hungary. Uh, my parents, my family still there. And uh, I hope to one day bring them here to the US and, and obviously being a business owner can potentially help me achieve that goal. Yeah, that's a really good motivation. And you, Serena? Yeah, uh, for me, what really motivates me is is my team. Um, we've been able to really create an awesome team and an awesome environment to work in. Um, so that motivates me every day to, to keep going. Nice, nice. When did you guys know this is what you wanted to do? You're both the co-founders, right? So when did you know this is what you wanted to dedicate your life to? You want to go first? <laughs> yeah, I would say originally... I wouldn't say that I knew I wanted to dedicate my life to this, um, but one of our co-founders uh, was looking into sustainable investing apps, and he decided to do his research and find what he thought was the best option out there. Um, he was based in the UK, opened up the app, uh, was really excited to get started with it, and then looked at the companies in his portfolio and realized he had Chevron, ExxonMobil, and McDonald's. And for him, he was wondering, how could he be invested sustainably if he's invested in companies that are, you know, don't align with his values. Um, for him, climate change is a super important issue. And he, when he realized that, he called us up and, and asked, how could this be? Um, and we found out that it's because most sustainable investing apps available to the everyday investor are ESG apps um, and ESG investing, which is companies are ranked based on their environmental, social, and governance scores. Um, so a company like ExxonMobil can have really great women in leadership policies, really great diversity and inclusion. So they get a really good S and G score, but they have horrible practices for the planet. So they have that bad E score. Even though they have that bad E score, it kind of evens out um, and they get a thumbs up as a good company. So when we realized that, we thought there has to be a better way. Um, and that really is what set out the motivation to, to build Flit um, and to, to change the way that people vote with their dollars. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, I've heard of all of this greenwashing with ESG, so it's really good that you guys are here and doing this. Uh, for you, Alejandro, what, how, when did you know this is what you wanted to do? I think um, as soon as Richard, our third co-founder who's based out of London, called me, it was incredible because my past life, I was an investment advisor, primarily advising for ultra high net worth individuals on their investments. And it was the same exact question I was getting from people uh, in that realm, whether they would be institutional investors or even private families. And Richard, a really good friend of mine who's in finance, is asking the same questions like, wow, okay, so this is not only a trend that I'm seeing in the, in, in the realm of people who 
are the key holders of, of capital in the world, but it's really the average person may also deeply care about these issues around sustainability. And given that that was also some, some, something that I was really passionate about while I was an investment specialist and have already been recommending investment solutions with an intent to create impact, it was just, I feel like the stars have aligned that a really good friend that I trust and I know that uh, we could maybe start something together. Uh, we can take the leap of faith and, and, and start this business. So so we did. And, and now we're here two and a half years later um, with an app in the app store. So super excited. Well, I'm very glad that you guys are here. Um, so tell me a bit about how fintech has affected this whole landscape. Has it affected it a lot or? I think it has. So even from the very beginning, my biggest concern was how are you how are we going to mount a huge investment operations, you know, two 20-something-year-olds uh, coming off of uh, experience from Wall Street, but really no technological uh, background. And what we found really early on is that fintech actually has provided all the piping on the infrastructure side to create um, a really solid solution with the help of incredible engineers, but without the need of an incredibly huge back office or middle office operation that you would have expected it maybe a decade ago. So on the infrastructure side, it was a huge, huge change. Number two, access. FinTech has provided access, not only from the realm of founders being able to create their own solutions, but also for new products, for new products that can reach not only the, the people with the, again, with the keys to the capital in, in this world, but really the average investor can also get a, get started with basically minimal investment amounts and get started with investing in things that they truly care about, which have historically been reserved for the ultra wealthy. So I think the infrastructure side and access uh, is what I would point to um, where FinTech has really, really helped um, innovate and, and, and provide those opportunities for the, for the everyday investor. Mm. Yeah, um, I saw that you have brought your kind of initial investment down to, I think, $10. Yeah. What impact has that made? Like, how uh, have you seen it change the kind of clients that you're having or? Yeah, I would say it definitely has a, a big impact uh, for overall access um, to sustainable investing. So when we were looking into, uh, when Richard found out that he was invested in ESG investing and was looking into, you know, how can he go beyond ESG investing? How can he have impact investing? Um, we found that most apps out there or most platforms out there where you invest sustainably have super high account minimums. So in order to get access to that, you have to spend 10 or you have to have tens of hundreds of thousands of dollars in order to invest. Um, and we just thought that for the everyday investor, that's not accessible. Not everyone has that money to get started. And the most important thing with investing is not how much money you have to start, but that you start and you start as early as possible. Um, so we really want to show people that it's possible to align your investments with your values without having to have a, an ultra high uh, account minimum to get started. And that's why we decided to make our account minimums $10. Um, it's something attainable for everyone and, and hopefully encourages everyone to get started as early as they can. Mm -hmm. What kind of impact do you think this will have on these issues that you are because I mean you're addressing a lot of issues but like for example the climate crisis what impact will lots of smaller investors have on those kind of causes yeah um for like for that with this lower account size uh lower account minimums of ten dollars we want to we want to 
build up the community and build a community of financial activists who want to drive change. So we believe by having this low account minimum um, that's achievable for, for everyone that we can build a community of change makers um, and together we can put our money together and really vote with our dollars and make our voices loud. Um, we think that everyone should have a seat at the table. It shouldn't be because you have a certain amount of money that you're able to make these uh, make these votes with your dollars or with your investments, but everyone should be able to. So we want to build this really big community of people driving change together by voting into these uh, investment themes like climate solutions, uh, as you mentioned, the climate crisis um, and other ones like clean water or gender equality. Mm-hmm. Do you think there's more of an appetite to be investing in these kind of causes now rather than kind of, I don't know, in the past? Yeah, I definitely think it's it's growing. Um, the amount of people who want to, who care about their, their values and they want to align their values with their investments. There's, a, I think, a growing number of people today that vote with their dollars in their everyday life, whether that's from the lifestyle choices they make, the shops that they uh, shop, so they support shopping local, um, the purchases they make, you know, picking a dairy alternative, people are already voting with their dollars in in their everyday life. Um, I think they want to vote with their dollars in their investments. They just don't know that this is accessible or they have the option to do that. So I think there's definitely a growing amount of people who want this. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Alejandro, if you want to say. Yes. And what what I would add to this is that it's not only that we believe that there's power in numbers, but we need that amount of number and that pressure to not only come from a uh, few stakeholders, but if together as a community, as society, we can rise up and say, we would like to accelerate the transition to a lower carbon future. If we are able to show that there are 100,000 retail investors who otherwise wouldn't have the seat at the table, as Serena mentioned, also care about this, it incentivizes companies to change because companies will not wake up from one day to the next and say, oh, today I want to start reducing my carbon emissions because... Uh, I, I want to do good for the planet. It's much rather coming from pressures to generate profit for sh- their shareholders. But if those profits can only be generated by adhering to some of the demands that consumers have towards them, and they are able to meet that demand by transitioning to a lower carbon future and, and lowering their carbon emissions, that what we believe is can create a huge, huge uh, impact outside of the investment dollars are going into into these companies, but really that collective mindset and, and pressure that we can apply um, to to large corporations overall. Mm-hmm. Have you noticed any changes now that the economic conditions are a little bit more challenging? Has that affected how many people are don- like how many people are investing or how much they're investing? Yes, I think um, being a financial advisor, I've seen cycles in the past, and whenever there are certain recessionary pressures, people start taking a bit more conservative approach to investing, maybe saving a little bit more rather than investing as much as they have they done before, which is a very valid concern and approach. What I would also say is some of sometimes these are the opportunities, these are times that can be the most attractive entry points for investors who haven't started out yet. And as far as popularity of sustainable investing versus traditional investing, there's a lot of controversy out there. ESG investing in general, I think, is has been highly controversial, alluding to what Serena said in the past around focusing on three completely conflicting pillars on environment, social, and governance. However, the investment themes that we provide on our platform, we do not only underwrite it from an impact perspective, but also from a financial return perspective. Mm-hmm. So climate solutions is an easy example that you brought up in the past. Probably most people agree that 20, 25, 50 years from now, 
we will have a vastly different way of relying on our energy sources that we do today. So investing in the future of the economy makes sense. Affordable healthcare, another team that maybe some people don't think about it as much, but being in a, in a society of, of aging population, incredibly rapid advancements in medical technology are all fundamental drivers of, of, of an investment thesis to invest in, in many of these companies that are creating the solutions for the long term. So it's not only that they will create incredible impact and will result in a more sustainable, just and equitable future for all, but it also helps the everyday person grow their wealth over time because they're investing in things that will grow um, as time passes uh, and for the better of the future. Yeah, I mean, your product is amazing. I, I love it. Um, I'm going to start, but I don't know. Can I access it from Europe? Unfortunately, currently, it's only available to U.S. investors. There are a lot of regulatory um, reasons for that. Mm -hmm. But we want to make sure that we, we started out here. Uh, we're able to showcase that people, an everyday pe person is uh, has the availability to invest this way, and they're willing to do it. And we definitely have the, our eyes on, on international expansion, given given our team's made up, makeup as well. Awesome. Um, so one more question on this point you, we've brought up, um, greenwashing. I know technically it applies to uh, the climate crisis and stuff like that, but I'm sure that there's other ways that companies kind of wash over certain aspects or pump up the fact that they're doing certain things. How does your approach kind of get around that, see through all this greenwashing and make sure that the investors are investing what they want? Yeah. So as far as greenwashing, it, greenwashing, pinkwashing, impactwashing, these are some of the terms that relate to uh, where companies may put out false or misleading information around um, products or, or their services impact on the world. And a great example to that is over 90% of investment funds in the US in 2020 uh, that were labeled as green or sustainable have resulted from remarketing efforts. There were no underlying change in the investment process or the management of these investment funds, but really just relabeling. And this is what has driven us to start Flood Invest, given Richard has spotted this greenwashing as a, as a, as a slightly more sophisticated investor but unfortunately, for the average person, this may not be as, as clear. So the way we are looking to go beyond that and go beyond ESG and just providing a score is providing you, which are part of our core features. One is giving you the opportunity to divest from uh, industries you may don't want to agree with. And this is the well better known investment strategy that has been around for decades. You can exclude tobacco, fossil fuels, private prisons, civilian firearms, if you wish from your portfolios, and we can follow that. Or you can actually follow an active ownership approach where you say, I'm gonna invest, I want to invest in Chevron or ExxonMobil, but with the expectation that I am going to be actively participating in board meetings and voting for proposals that will drive them to a more sustainable future. So we give these two options to users. And beyond that, during for all, all each of our investment teams, we provide metrics that we rely on internationally recognized frameworks. Uh, for example, in clean water, how many gallons of clean water um, have 
for, for access to clean water assets have your underlying portfolio companies generated or how much um, how many how much carbon emissions have been avoided or removed from the atmosphere through your investments in your climate action portfolios so we quantify these these uh, metrics which is hours and hours of an analysis on our team's part but we want to make sure that no matter what you select we are transparent about it and we report on this so it's really the transparency the reporting and the intentionality is what i would say that that primarily um, differentiates us mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do you want to add anything, Serena? No, I think, I think you covered it. Maybe you can cover it a bit less. I can talk about this for hours. And, <laughs> and you're, you're, yeah, I I think would, you're yeah. the... in, in layman's terms, I would say that we we don't just walk or don't just talk the talk, but we walk the walk. So um, every investor should look at the platform that they use and, and hold them accountable. So if someone is telling you that we are helping the planet or we are promoting gender equality, they need to have the metrics to back that up. Um, and a lot of times with greenwashing, that's what's the missing piece of the puzzle is that they're not showing you the metrics. They're just giving you a thumbs up or giving you a feel good uh, green label or saying it's eco friendly and you feel really good about it. And you somewhat trust the company. So you'll you'll believe that. Um, but what we're doing is we're encouraging our investors, encouraging everyone to kind of question that and to, to find the proof. Um, and we'll show the proof to all of our investors and all of our users with our metrics. So as uh, I said, we have carbon metrics. Um, we show people the thematic metrics, so three metrics per each investment theme that you invest in. Um, and we also will show you how your investments are aligned with the UN SDG, um, UN Sustainable Development Goals. Um, and that's how we promote accountability, transparency for all of our investors. Nice. Okay. Well, thank um, you, Serena. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like both of your takes. Both um, so what do you hope has been invented in 100 years? It can relate to this. It can relate not to this. Sure. I I would relate to this because both as an investor and as a as, as someone who's who's hopefully um, would like to have children on this planet, the largest risk, in my opinion, is is the climate crisis. And I believe that we have to act fast. So even if it's not in a hundred year term for me, that may feel a little too long, but in the next couple of decades, we will find solutions that can help mitigate those risks. And there are already incredible technologies out there that are working towards it, but we need to fund and we need to invest in those technologies to get there. And that's one of my primary motivations also in being in this space, staying in this space mm-hmm. to, to make sure that future generations also have a, have a place to, to, to live on. And, and that's, that's my personal opinion. Yeah. I would also agree. The transition for me, the transition to a more sustainable future is super important. Um, I'm really passionate around climate change and, and hope that, yeah, in the next not even 100 years, next 25 years, next 50 years, we see that transition. I feel that at the current state, we're moving really slow when it comes to climate change um, and the climate crisis. So I hope that in, in 25, 50 years, we've made like large strides in the, the fight for the climate crisis. And an invention in that realm for me would be that is a missing puzzle that every um, scientist is talking about is um, carbon recapturing. So how Mm -hmm. are we going to remove uh, carbon from the atmosphere? Currently, there are solutions out there that do it very expensively and not efficiently. Is there a way we can get there? Um, That's the the billion or trillion dollar question that I would hope to to see over the next couple of decades. Okay, nice. Um, what is a piece of advice someone has given to you that you would give to someone else? 
For me, I think it has gone through my life. I was an athlete growing up playing soccer. Then uh, as a trader as well, we we tend to, I think, under-communicate as people. And the best one of the best advice I've gotten is over-communicate. So whether that's you're in the field, to letting your teammates know what's happening around you, make sure you over-communicate. When you are taking a trade, ensure that you have triple confirmed all the information before before entering this. And besides the professional part of my life where I have seen incredible uh, improvements as far as communication within our team, it also helps in our personal lives. Uh, I've gotten closer to my family because we started over communicating with my spouse. So for me, these are uh, th- this was a piece of advice that I've taken not only and applied it to my professional life, which has been very helpful, but also to my personal life, which I found really powerful. I like that. And, sorry, no. and for me, I would say to just try, try things. Um, you never know until you put yourself out there. I'm definitely not from a finance background whatsoever. I'm super passionate around climate change, super passionate around social issues. So if you would have said two and a half years ago, I'd be, you know, starting an impact investing app, I would have never expected that for myself. So I think just putting yourself out there and trying new things. Cool. Both, Both very good advice. Um, okay, okay. So, so now is the curveball cool question. question. Don't be scared. Um, so I pre, I didn't choose it. I put it into a random generator. Um, it's a little bit tricky. If someone wrote a biography about you and your company or you personally, you can do this together. Um, what would you title it? I think I know what you would title yours. <laughs> what do you think I would title it? Impossible is nothing. That's actually pretty capturing. I think that would be, yeah. Nice. Impossible is nothing. Okay, cool. I like that. And Serena, do you want to go with that one as well? Yeah, I would say impossible is nothing. Cool. Perfect. All right. Um, I think that really encapsulates what you're doing, basically. You're working towards things that people think are impossible, but they're not. Yeah. $10. You're fine. You're contributing to something. Exactly. Um, So how can our listeners get a hold of you? Yeah, definitely. Uh, To get a hold of us, they can go to our website. It's flitflitinvest.com. They can also check us out on social media. We're on TikTok, Instagram, uh, LinkedIn, you name it. Uh, All of our handles are also flitinvest. And then uh, you can download us in the app store. Uh, You just search for flitinvest again, um, and you'll find us. And you can download the app and get started for as little as $10. Perfect. Thank you so much for coming. It's been really nice to talk to you. Thank you so much for having us. As always, you can reach out and chat to me on my personal LinkedIn or Twitter at Izzy Castro Rides. That's spelled I-Z-Y. But for access to great daily content, check out Fintech Nexus on LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. You can also sign up to our daily newsletter, bringing news straight to your inbox. And for more Fintech podcast fun, check out the website's podcast page where you can find more fascinating conversations hosted by Peter Renton and Todd Anderson. That's it from me. Until next time, enjoy your downtime.